listening to the Necromaniacs Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Necromaniacs Podcast is coming back at you with episode number 57. It is a beautiful early November day, and man, today we have something very interesting to discuss, a movie that a lot of people, I think, in the audience will be completely unfamiliar with. Some people may know it, um, but I don't know, I'm excited about it. What about you, Mike? I got to be honest with you, man. Like Up until about four or five days ago, I never even knew this movie existed until you told me about it. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, we can't let it dangle for much longer. Uh, the name of this film is called The Black Room. It is an American film that was released in 1982. This is a, a small independent horror film that was shot in 1981, released to, a, I'm going to say, a smattering of theaters in 82, but really uh, reached... It's, it's Zenith in 84 when Vinstron, uh, a video company I'm sure known to many people out there uh, in the horror community, especially you VHS heads, when Vestron put it out in March of 84. Um, my personal take uh, on this movie actually just goes back to being a kid growing up in, in the VHS era. You know, Mike and I, you know, of, of a certain age. Uh, grew up going to the independent mom and pop video stores, right, Mike? Absolutely. Uh, before we get going, you want to give the plug to uh, Generation? Yes, I do want to give the plug to Generation. <laughs> I forgot all about it. I got I got caught up in my own spiel, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just taken by the beauty of the day. Um, it is uh, time to plug our sponsor, Generation Records. Open since 1992, they specialize in punk, hardcore, metal, hard rock, and soundtracks. Uh, they've got records, CDs, cassettes, shirts, and posters, used and new records. And they also pay top dollar for used quality vinyl records. Uh, if you are in Manhattan, beautiful New York, check them out at uh, 210 Thompson Street. Uh, and you can check them out online at generationrecords.com where you can see their, uh, you know, big cartel store. And they also have a very active uh, Discogs page where you can buy records from them there as well. I did it, Mike. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a great shop. And uh, next time I'm in New York, I'm definitely going to go and check that place out. Go there yes, again, you do. Drop some Absolutely. cash, you know. They have uh, a, a, a shit ton of shirts now. Like, I mean, they always had a good amount of shirts, but now they've got like a tremendous uh, horror shirt collection, uh, according to my buddy Mark. So, yeah, check it out. But The Black Room, ladies and gentlemen, now this is a movie that as a kid, I'd go into the, the horror section of the video store, the, the dark corner of the, the mom and pop video store by my home. And I, I would this this would always catch my eye. Um, it was always at the beginning of the section because everything was literally alphabetical back then, right? Yeah. 
And the black room with the B was, you know, I always saw it. It always just kind of came across my eye and it looked very kind of weird and creepy to me. It wasn't, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't bloody. It wasn't like, you know, super eye catching. It just was strange. And I always liked that title, the black room. I don't know. It's like, it's like a great title. Don't you think? I agree, man, and and I don't know how this one. Well, I do know how it slipped by me because it's like super obscure, and the only mm-hmm. place that we were able to watch this was on YouTube. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like really hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, way back, I, I do recall Rue Morgue doing one of their kind of one pagers on this movie. Um, I don't remember how long ago. I, I have quite a few issues of Rue Morgue in the collection. And I remembered reading it then going, oh, shit, they're talking about that movie. You know, I always refer to it as that movie. And then the other day, listening to my brother John's comedy podcast, Break the Apocalypse, which you should all check out, his co-host, Brian, was running down his Halloween horror movies in a similar fashion to the way we ran down our Halloween horror films. And he brought up, yeah, there's this other movie I like to watch at least once a year. It's called The Black Room. And I went, what? <laughs> like, I knew what he was talking about. And he was telling uh, my brother and the other co-host, Shaheen, all about it. Neither of them had heard of it. And when they went to immediately uh, do their Google search on it on the show, they came up with this 2017 movie with the same name. Don't you hate when there's two movies with the same name? Yeah, the like, same thing know? happened with uh, that movie Blood that we that I talked about on um, the Halloween episode. There's like a bunch of corny movies called Blood, and uh, right. n- none of them are the one that I, I refer to, the one that was uh, from 2000, the British uh, quote-unquote mm. vampire film, you know? Yes. Now, that's the thing. I mean... Look, a lot of great stuff has been reissued on Blu-ray over the years. There have been lost films saved from obscurity. Um, Unfortunately, uh, The Black Room is not really one of those movies. Um, I think it is tailor-made for Severin or Vinegar Syndrome, to be honest, after having finally hunkered down and watched it on YouTube. And I'm going to backtrack a little. I think I even said on this podcast, I'll never watch a movie on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you got to eat your words sometimes because if it's the only place to watch something, well, YouTube it is. I mean, it was a little dark and it was a little shady at times, uh, visually, of course, I mean, but it was still highly enjoyable to watch even on that YouTube setting. You know, yeah. Well, what's cool about YouTube is these days, if you got a smart TV or you know, like one of these like Apple TV TVs or Roku or whatever, you have the app and you can watch it like on a nice screen. Yeah. You know. However, um, yeah, the trans. I mean, obviously, it's not this professional transfer. It's not HD. It's like it looks like real grainy and dark, and it was kind of <laughs> at times it was hard to make it out, but. The good thing about it is that it wasn't broken up in about 10 different sections like sometimes no. you get, you know? Yeah, um, and to the listeners who, after you're done listening to the podcast and you're going to want to watch it, which I think you're going to want to watch it, uh, it is literally just listed as The Black Room 1982. It's very easy to find, and it's all in one shot. It's not broken down, so it's the full film. 
which is great. And um, now last night, I, I, I just wanted to do so much digging. Um, I was on a, a another uh, Facebook groups, uh, you know, chatting away about this movie. I brought it up and, and some people talked about it. And a guy said, although it's nowhere to be found on Blu-ray, it's available on a some kind of 12 movie set, like the cheap set called Blood Soaked Cinema. Oh, wow. And sure enough, it, it is there. I bought it for $8.50. Oh, man. On, uh, yes. I, I'll, I'm going to send you the, the link, Mike, on, on oh, cool. eBay. Hell yeah. It's called Blood Soaked Cinema, A Taste of Evil, uh, 12 movies. It's. I don't think it's 12 DVDs. I think it's, tw- it's probably like five DVDs or whatever, or probably less than that. But it is the first movie in the set, and it even has the proper description. So I, I, I double check if this was the right way to get it. Now I'm gonna imagine this definitely is gonna look better than the YouTube uh, version, right? I mean, so it's got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'll, I'll definitely send you that link when we're done, Mike. It's, it's a nice little surprise edition that. Um, if you want to buy the DVD, it is available literally on this pack uh, called, again, uh, Blood Soak Cinema, A Taste of Evil. So pretty weird. And it, it's, it stands out among the set. It's got this movie, Giant Spider Invasion, Invasion from Inner Earth, Giant Monster. I mean, it's a very ghetto, weird, old school selection of movies. Everything is from the, the, the 60s, 50s, you know. And and the forties, and then there's Black Room from 1984. How Damn. weird is that? Mm. I, I'm really interested to see what cut they have because I like I was this this movie is like a pretty sexy movie. I mean, there's a lot of you know like a lot of sex and like kind of sketchy like behavior and infidelity, mm-hmm. and um, there it seems like the movie actually plays like a porno in my opinion. You know what I mean? It seems kind like, uh, like mm-hmm, yeah, I could see that to a degree, definitely. Like, or just like a very, like a soft core with that weird early '80s, late '70s darkness bend, right? Like that's, yeah. I wouldn't say porno well, per se. It, it all it reminds me of a movie that maybe Jamie Gillis would be in. You know how Jamie mm, Gillis right. was doing like these, <laughs> these vampire, like Dracula, like porns. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, yeah. You know, or something artsy, like like some shot on film, you know, 70s porn with a plot. Because there's so many parts of this film that lend itself to those kind of setups for like hardcore like porn action. You know what I mean? Now, uh, before we go further, I just want to want to give the, uh, the rundown of the movie. It was directed by Ellie Kenner, a man with literally no other feature films to his, his credit, uh, he's an Israeli guy. He went on to do these Israeli f- films after it, like nothing, no other, you know, horror things to his credit. I was not able to find a lot of information about this man at all. And it has a co-director credit by Norman Thaddeus Vane, who wrote this movie. Now, Norman Thaddeus Vane does have other credentials in the genre, he directed and wrote the movie Frightmare, the 1983 American Frightmare. There is another film with that name. I think there's a British Frightmare, to be honest. Uh, and then he did um, The Black Room after Frightmare. 
and he did a movie called Dracula Sucks. He was second unit director. And he did a movie from 93 called Taxi Dancers that I'm almost certain that I rented in the early 90s. <laughs> Taxi Dancers? Yeah, it's a little, you know, risque, kind of, you know, All one right. of those cable kind of movies, you know. I'm almost certain I saw that movie back in the day because I was working at, like, Blockbuster back then. It was, like, one of those movies that, you know, had a lot of hot chicks in it. Um, but, yeah, he he has a credit Uh you know, other credits to his name um, makes me want to check out Frightmare, to be honest. But as far as the, you know, the, the rest of this movie, uh, it's a very small cast. Uh, we have Stephen Knight as Jason, uh, Cassandra Gava, uh, also uh, known in certain films as Cassandra Gaviola as Bridget, uh, Jimmy Stathis as Larry, uh, Clara Perryman as Robin, and then we have, towards the end of the movie, a very young Linnea Quigley, who's in literally 15 minutes of the film at the end, as Millie, the babysitter. Um, this movie, uh, according to, uh, what do you call it, the Alamo Draft House uh, showed this film a few years ago, and they gave a nice little rundown of it. It was filmed for 10 days for $40,000 in Damn. January of 1981 and barely released years later. Um, Damn, 40 grand? Like, don't you like walk around with that amount of money in your uh, wallet, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> you probably could have found it, financed that movie on your own. Honestly, I would say the, the brunt of that money probably went to that the, the house that we're going to get to yeah. and blood <laughs> and the, like the the house and the blood and i mean i'm trying to even figure out how they even parlay like parse that out like with this movie 40 grand wow you know the thing is 40 grand in 81 is probably like 150 grand though 200 grand probably Maybe. something like that but that that's a crazy budget man for any kind of movie really you know for feature-length film, really is. Um, now, the 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 rough plot of the movie. Uh, I liked what the Animal Draft House kind of had to say, so I'm just gonna re read a little more about it. Thirty-something family man Larry rents a quote unique and exotic fantasy room in a Hollywood mansion for daily dalliances with hookers and high school girls, and then reports these escapades to his loving wife, Robin, in the form of fantasies. Basically, this guy, Larry's in his 30s. He's kind of bored with his life and his wife and kids. Uh, he has his wife is a pretty woman, but he's just like some kind of weird, sketchy guy in the early 80s who basically found through ads this actual room in a mansion where he could ha live out these fantasies. And I guess his way of not really coming clean is making it up as if it was fake, which I thought was very interesting. Right. Yeah. It's like this psychological like trip, you know, and, and, yeah. but, but I have to say that doesn't that sound like the port, uh, the, um, the plot of a porno film though. Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it totally does. I'm not going to, all right, let's not beat around the bush. It sounds like the plot of a porno film. Now, what Larry does not know is that the kinky siblings who own the mansion, it's a brother and sister, um, they're filming everything and they're taking pictures uh, of everything Larry is doing 
for uh, blackmail purposes. Now, we're going to get into the, the, the meat of this film. This is a really unique and original take, in my opinion, on the, the vampire genre. Uh, as it turns out, uh, Jason, uh, the brother, has uh, anemia. Well, I believe that's what Bridget says to Larry. And what they do is they they take the, the Larry's like the girls that Larry hooks up with basically end up as victims of the brother and sister. They take all of their blood through this transfusion machine, which I think a nice chunk of the budget went to. That machine is pretty interesting, right? Yeah, the, the machine, they spent some cash on that and the fake oh, blood. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're constantly like hoarding blood from like pretty girls and young men and women. And I guess, you know, the brother ingests the blood. So it's just so like creepy. You know, I mean, if it sounds creepy to the listener, it is very creepy to watch. The other interesting thing about this movie, it, it really, it kind of predates the AIDS epidemic, right? I mean, it's, it's 1981. That's AIDS kind of really kicks off right around then, but it's not really in like the general, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like people are aware of it in 81, but it's not blowing up yet. And here we have this movie about people and, and they're using like needles and it's blood and it just, it predates the AIDS and crack cocaine ep epidemics of everything that's about to come after it. I thought that was kind of interesting. No. Yeah, definitely, and and also um, the brother and sister are are pretty kinky, man. Like they're you know, there's yeah. definitely some kind of um, you know, like like a like a you know, like there you can see that there's a sexual tension between the two of them. Yeah, yes, there's an implied to me. There's implied incest. Yeah. Um, it's never it's never shown. It's never you know what I'm saying. It's never like talked about, but it's there. You know, I think it's there. Um. The interesting thing about the woman who plays Bridget's sister, she was in Conan the Barbarian, dude. <laughs> ah, you know something, man? It's her. She has these like really intense eyes, and she played. She had to play. She played the witch in Conan the Barbarian, yeah. right? Yeah, Gaga. Yeah, she's pretty great, man. Um, she is. I don't know. I think she's one of like the highlights of the movie. She's just very creepy. Like it's very, very kind of haunting and 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 creepy aspect to the brother and sister. It's like you 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 know. You almost know just by looking at them that there there's something going on. Like you know what I'm saying? They're just up to no good. You yeah, know? They, they just look like trouble, both of them. And um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I couldn't quite figure out. Remember, I I even think I texted you that I recognized her from somewhere. And now you huh? you uh you you revealed where I'd seen her. It was in Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the brother Jason uh, is, is 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 a working actor. Uh, nothing else of real prominence checking out his uh, IMDb. But the, the, the cool thing to note is that all, all four main cast, cast uh, members and Linnea Quigley are all alive and well. So it's kind of a real shame that there is no really cool Blu-ray of this movie that could, you know, with interviews and tidbits, because I don't know, this... I'm sure there were some interesting things going on during the making of this for only 10 days and 40 grand, right? Yeah, I mean, this this movie is like way not on anyone's radar, man. And I'm happy to be, that you brought it up and, and told me about it because I would never have even found out about now, this film, you know? 
Cool. Yeah. And, and I have to give props to B show for putting it back into my head, a movie that honestly, no bullshitting listeners has been lingering in my head for decades. And I remembered reading that Rue Morgue and I, I remember thinking, oh shit, now I need to finally fucking try to find this movie and watch this movie. Uh, Rue Morgue gave it a great write-up. There is a current online write-up that Rue Morgue has from just a few years ago that is after uh, the, the article I am referencing. This article is actually only from 2019 and it gives it a really nice write-up as well that you could find on Rue Morgue's website if you typed in The Black Room. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I when I was talking to this random stranger on Facebook about this movie, apparently the issue with the, the lack of, of a nice release is that there are uh, a lot of missing elements from the film. And I think there's a, a lack of, of a very quality print, which is unfortunate. Yeah, you know? See, I, I, I know there's got to be like a really good cut you know, yeah. like I'm oh, sure there was a lot more sex and nudity in, in this film. <laughs> I'm sure there was. Um, now, I, you know, I, I guess I mean, I, I, I want to kind of run through the whole thing in a way. But at the same time, I kind of like I do and I don't. I mean, it's an old movie. And of course, we usually talk about movies in their entirety. But I think just by discussing a little more about the movie, I think we're just going to entice people. To, to go to YouTube and check it out. You know, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, definitely go see it, man. It's like, uh, may, maybe, you know, for sure, go to YouTube. It's the only, I mean, or try to buy this this DVD that Mike taught, you just mentioned, Mike. It's like. Yeah, Blood Soap Cinema, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally um, going to get it. Oh, no, I, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it, it's on its way to me, and I, I'm going to watch it like the day I get it because I want to see, I'm sure, I am 100% sure it is going to look better than a, than a YouTube film. I mean, goodness, you know. But um, now here's the thing. He, he's going on his dalliances, uh, Larry. And then one day, uh, the wife opens up the, the glove compartment of the car and sees this piece of this, you know, piece of newspaper. And sure enough, it is the exact description of the house that the husband is talking about in their fantasies in the bedroom. And she's like, son of a bitch, you know? And I have to say, uh, Larry, the actor Jimmy Stathis, does a great job at, say, coming off as like a doting, loving husband and father, and at the same time a sleazebag who picks up women, mind you, off the actual street with the car. What did you think about that? Wasn't that nuts? Uh, yeah, totally. He just... There's some some girl just on the side of the road. He pulls up. And he's like, "Oh, hey, hey how you doing?" You know, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and he's like, "Oh, why don't you get in the car?" You know. And it's interesting. Around this time, uh, the wife, uh, Larry's wife, Robin, played by Clara Perryman, uh, finds out about the cheating, which is not a fantasy, which is 100% real. Uh, she's in the car. She reaches into the glove compartment. Uh, after a little shopping trip and she sees the ad that basically spells out the, the, the room and, and the, the, you know, basically spells out the fantasy that he's been spewing to his wife in their bedroom. You know, what was interesting is that I think initially I didn't realize that that's what he was doing. Like, I think I missed something there. 
And then I had to kind of go back and I'm like, oh my God, he was literally telling his wife that he was cheating without telling his wife that he was cheating and made up this whole kind of ruse. I thought that was pretty, pretty fucking fucked up, you know? Yeah, like I said earlier, there's there's a lot of like kind of head games and like psychological stuff. But the other thing that was interesting is he still seemed like really into his wife. You know what I mean? Like they were yeah. having sex, and you know, yeah. and it was almost like this turn on that he was doing with her, where he was telling her about all these like fantasies he was having, and she's like, "I want you to do the things that you do to <laughs> them to me." Right? Yeah. He he did a great job. He was you know did a great balancing act. At being the sleaze bag and being the loving husband and father, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of married dads who are serial cheaters, uh, that's what they do, right? <laughs> I mean, God, you know, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I came up in a, in a in a household where you know my dad was not a saint, and uh, look, my dad wasn't uh, uh, Larry from the Black Room or anything. But, you know, my, my dad, <laughs> getting very candid here, my, my dad did a bad balancing act. Let's just say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It happened. Okay. You know, fair enough. You know, happened. Fair enough. And it was literally around the same exact time period, like the early 80s. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> same time period. So anyway, um, what happens next is very interesting. Uh, the wife, Robin, decides, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I am going to go to the black room, <laughs> which I was like, holy shit. She just up and decides to go for her own sexual purposes. And of course, in true man fashion, when Larry finds out that his wife is cheating on him, he goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, didn't like the taste of his own medicine, as they say. He did not you know? like it one bit. No, how dare you? <laughs> um, they both agree to kind of stop going to the black room, you know, but right around that this time, like as the movie is happening, basically almost all of Larry's uh, dalliances, all these women are getting their their blood drained and, you know, getting killed by the brother and sister fun team. Um, (laughs) That's what I'm referring to the mess. Now they, I'm trying to remember how, how Linnea Quigley enters the picture um larry goes to basically the black room where his wife is and and they, he needs a babysitter yeah and, watch the and kids. You know, calls calls millie up and then you know millie shows up at the door and and it's like oh wow it's a very young blonde uh linnea quickly who, who watches the kids um so the, the the husband and wife are together in the black room and they're kind of like you know they, they can't leave they get like they get hypodermic but by, by, by the brother and sister <laughs> and they're trapped and it, it gets really fucked up because we see millie coming in the car with with the two children and then like oh shit they're going to the house too i was like wow like i i totally didn't expect that you know that was kind of a, a an added surprise i was like oh, is everyone gonna die you know <laughs> um but what happens is they they manage to escape. There's a scene that's straight out of Halloween one, Mike. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I could see that a little Halloween esque activity the, there. The, yeah. the, uh, the, there's remember when Jamie Lee Curtis uh, listeners takes the uh, what do you call it? The hanger inside of a closet 
and jams it in Michael Myers' eye in a certain fashion. Well, the the wife, Robin, jams a hanger in a very similar fashion into Bridget's neck. And it is a great scene. I mean, it's a little dark on YouTube. It's this huge blood splatter. She, like, rams it in there. And the blood shoots all over uh, Robin's face and all over fucking Bridget. I thought that was a fucking sick scene. Yeah, definitely, man. They, they, they definitely didn't spare blood in this movie, that's for sure. No, this is a very red, bloody movie. Um, and the, the husband, Larry, takes out uh, the brother uh, via strangulation, or, or so we think, right? Um, that's, there's a scene where when the brother kind of gets up from being choked out, like a, we, we think he's dead, it, 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 it reminded me of Halloween. Like he just, he just kind of rises up and he has that really creepy look on his face. You know what I'm talking? Remember that scene? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is you got to remember the time period. I mean, they, they yeah, probably were yeah. influenced by some of these slasher films and you know and all that kind I of stuff. I bet they totally were. I bet they totally were. Um, and again, if 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 you know a, a nice uh, Blu-ray of this was in existence, we could probably see if that was in, in fact true. If it was inspired by Halloween, which it might have been. Um, you know, if, if via some interviews with cast members and the people who made the movie, um, there's, I feel like the, the, the end trips a little bit though, um, with the actual kind of getting it done and getting out of the house. And, but in a way it's kind of great because it, it makes for that very creepy final ending scene. Uh, even though it just kind of stalls and falters a little, um, because there's another scene of Bridget kind of rising up too with the fucking hanger in her neck and she's walking down the steps and something else of note about this movie that I need to bring up is that the music is fucking bonkers. Oh yeah, it is definitely. really, really creepy music by Art Podell and James Ackerley. It's that, it's that synth score, but it's the very early eighties synth score. And it's just, they, they I don't know that there's some kind of like, moaning noises i think at the end and it's just like really effective like man this would probably be an amazing uh soundtrack to own and i'm sure there was not at all a a a score of this movie released i mean it was barely it was barely released as a film so i'm sure there was never any kind of actual musical release i'm gonna have to do a deeper dive into art Podale and james Ackerley to see if this music is at all available (laughs) um but the husband uh, gets into a scuffle as he's trying to rescue Millie, uh, who has been herself uh, taken in because she brings the kids into the house and everyone is kind of, you know, held against their will. And of course, uh, Mr. Vampire himself, uh, Jason tries to fucking, you know, does he bite Millie? Cause she's all kind of bleeding on the floor. Like, I feel like they, it was an attempt to either draw her blood or, or try to kill her, yeah. but she is back alive, right? Yeah. Um, and as they're kind of fighting in one of the blood rooms, as I'm going to call it, uh, Jason is kind of like he gets his head kind of held in a tub of blood by, by Larry, who's, you know, kind of drowning him in blood, which is a cool scene. And uh, he kind of leaves him there. And then, you know, at the very end, there's just a brother and sister who are just totally covered in blood. And he just kind of rises up out of the tub with blood. And there's this creepy music. And 
they, they finally load the kids and Millie into the car. And it was just the, just this fucking crazy, like totally early eighties creepo music going on. And then you hear the husband and wife talking about, you know, like, you know, do people like that ever really die? Like, uh, the, the the husband says that or does the wife say that i can't remember yeah i don't know but i, I know there's there's a there's a thing that hints at them being sort of immortal you know or these like yes because honestly uh if they were like regular people right she would have never gotten up from that take of, of the fucking uh hanger to the neck bleeding out like that all over the place she looked totally dead and uh, the brother got choked out and he looked dead and then he got drowned and he looked dead for a second time. And the thing is throughout the movie, they are out in the daytime. Like, it's not like they're vampires, vampires, you know, um, they definitely drink blood. And it's almost like, we don't even know if the sister Bridget drinks the blood. I must feel like throughout most of the movie, it's just really all about the Jason guy, you know, and she's just complicit as the one killing the people and keeping her brother alive. But I now at the very end, though, you, you're, you're almost questioning it. You feel like, are they both like supernatural, you know? Yeah, it was like a real interesting take on the whole thing, because um, there's a lot of levels to this movie. And, uh, you know, there's this weird voyeuristic thing that's going on where they're just watching, you know, these people have sex and taking pictures and the, the mm -hmm. blood using blood to sustain this guy's life. And then, of course, the ending um, and the lack of them having sex harkens yeah. back to uh, I was telling you about that. The movie with Jamie Gillis, where he plays Dracula mm -hmm. and uh, right. <laughs> you know, John, I think John Holmes is in it and uh in the movie, he doesn't have sex, Jamie Gillis. And then, you know, I guess Mina yeah. is the one where he's able to, you know, get, get his thing happening, you know. And and I guess, I, I don't know, I saw that movie ages ago on VHS tape, the, the porno I'm talking about. And um, mm -hmm. and this movie reminded me of that. This movie, Because I, I, even Larry, to me, looks a little bit like Jamie Gillis. Like he has this kind of yeah, he dark, dark he hair, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. like ethnic kind of vibe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, it turns out Robin, the wife, is the one who says out loud, uh, do people like that ever really die? And right as she says that, is there the two of them are walking through the house covered in blood like, like fucking zombie vampires. And that's how the movie ends. It is fucking crazy, fucking awesome ending. Um, and it's just as you you know as you're watching it and after you've watched it you, you're probably just kicking yourself you're like why the fuck am I watching this on YouTube like this movie deserves to be you know available to the public. Um, the thing is I feel like some people may not love it as much as you and I did um, it, because it does kind of blend like erotica in a way with like horror you know I mean. Not that it's like a super sexy film. It's more like seedy, you know? Yeah. Um, there are sex scenes and nudity in it. Uh, I don't think it's super over-the-top sex and nudity, to be honest. And the interesting thing is that you do not... Jason, the, the brother, 
Like you said, he never has sex. Bridget does have sex with Larry at one point. Right. And the husband and wife are seen to be having sex. And, of course, Larry has sex with the, the randos that he picks up on the road. And there's even a scene with Larry having sex with a woman and a man, although it's not shown. And we don't know if Larry does anything with the man. <laughs> he does, in fact, have a threesome with a man and woman, which is a note. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's like a very and, and I don't I don't I think the dude just kind of watches. You know what I'm saying? Like he, right, right. I don't think yeah, they were like I don't think Larry banged him or anything like that. You know, <laughs> and uh, but that's what I mean. Like it has this this Jamie Gillis like vibe to it. You know what I'm saying? And and um, and that's why I'm so interested to see if there's an actual cut because I imagine. The subject matter, it's the late 70s, early 80s when they shot this thing. You know, it's it's a low-budget film. At the time, no one really knew any of these people. And uh, yeah. and it, it's a sexy movie, man. So there's, there's probably somewhere a canister of film that's got tons of, like, nudity and sex scenes on it that should be cut back into the movie, I think. The uh, the guy from Rue Morgue, who uh, I'll give his, his, what's his name here? I'm like, pay credit where credit is due. Uh, Sean Garrett says something interesting. Uh, there are bits of the dry Australian film Thirst from 1979 here, hmm. and a little bit of David Cronenberg's earlier Cronen uh, earlier films, which I could kind of see. Mm, yeah, okay. Like the kind of like disease. The black room. Mm. Yeah, like a disease, like body horror kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it says one could see the movie as an early '80s reactionary pre-AIDS critique of the free love '70s. I see that uh, deliberately resonating on older tropes. Watch out for wealthy decadence, a la 1971's *Doors of Darkness*, which I, which is an amazing movie, by the way. Um, which *Black Room* could make an interesting contrast with. But while the upended family order, including annoying kids. May be restored in the end. The film is noteworthy for me for the intense coda moment, where up until this point, the slick and prosaic presentation is suddenly overridden by an intense, uninspected image of resurrection that implies something far older and far less clinical. What is he is referring to is this ending. Um, the movie is at a certain pace throughout most of the time, but the the last fifteen minutes, Mike, is it's very like. It moves much faster, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's got the, the, the horror really kicks into gear. And that's what I believe uh, this guy is kind of hinting at. And the, the, the actual, you know, prospect of real vampirism or that these two people are like immortal is, is kind of the seeds are really planted right there. And they're not really there before then, other than the fact that there's the blood machine and we don't really know much, you know, and the movie ends and we still don't know much, which makes it just as fucking awesome, you know? Yo, yeah, I mean, and in a lot of these films where, like, you have these vampires and they're living in these mansions or whatever, they, they have this, like, very, uh, like, calm sort of unhurried, you know, aspect mm -hmm. to their the way they behave. And that's kind of, like, the same thing with the brother and the sister. They're, they're, they have money, they live in this mansion, they're not mm. really in a hurry to do anything, you know what I mean? And, right. And I guess that kind of implies, like, you know, like this this air of invincibility or like immortality, or even even like uh, Abel Ferrara's film, The Addiction, 
Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's this, uh, you know, the, the there's a vibe to the whole thing where they have all the time in the world to do what they got to do, I guess, you know. Like Isabella mm. Sciorra is in the movie and she's not in a hurry, you know? No, no. Yeah, like I, that's why, I mean, I, I am going to put this film in the vampire category with a slight kind of, you know, nod, obviously, to just like early 80s sleaze. You know, it's like yeah. a mix of two. <laughs> it's not like a regular vampire film. But I think it, it, it belongs in the discussion of vampire films, this movie. And I, and I like that. I like the oddball movies that don't just follow the canon of a vampire where you can only go out at night and, you know, they're from Romania and they're turning the bats. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I like when it, there's a, a new interpretation of it. And this has that kind of clinical, like scientific thing with it, except for where the ending introduces the true supernatural element to it or implies it rather. And yeah, I thought it was cool. It was interesting. It hit a lot of, um, a lot of very, uh, very cool notes in this movie. Oh yeah. And I thought it was just kind of like perfect for the kind of things that you and I discuss and we talk about on the podcast and, you know, it's an oddball film. I mean, I do wish it was more readily available. I wish that the listeners would be able to just, boom, watch it on fucking Amazon Prime or Shutter or something like that. But, you know, sometimes you got you to seek out some of the good stuff, you know? You got you to do the work, right? Well, you know, with places like Vinegar Syndrome reissuing a lot of, unfor- you know, totally forgotten movies, um, you know, for example, mm-hmm. the, like, the Undertaker, that the last um, Joe Spinell film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, got that, I have that on Blu-ray. I bought that at, uh, at a horror festival, the uh, New England yeah. Horror Fest. And... Um, you know, that's out. There's that film Pale Blood, that vampire movie I was telling you guys about. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was like a micro budget direct to video movie that came out in 1990. And now there's a Blu ray of that. So, this, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this movie might show up as a proper release someday. That would be fucking awesome. I, honestly, I would, I would just really want to know more about how it was made. And like the, the idea for it and just, you know what I'm saying? Like shit like that. Like, I love that shit. I'm a fucking movie nerd. Obviously we're, we're movie nerds um, <laughs> stating the obvious. Uh, but this movie in particular, I think just because it holds that weird mental place for me in my head and in, in my youth and nostalgia, it's just like, wow. You know, it's like coming like full circle just to, to know more about it. And, and, you know, growing up back then, it was really, that's what it was all about. Like it was, you, you weren't reading film magazines when oh, you were no. 12 and 13. You, there was no internet. There was no, there was nothing. It was just all about that physical experience and what caught your eye and taking that gamble of what the movie was, you know? Yeah. The only things around real, and it was and not even this far back was like Chaz Ballon and like deep red and stuff like that, which is yeah, you know, Fangoria. Yeah. But um, I got to be honest, I didn't even really discover that stuff until like the late 80s, really. Right. So later on, like, when you know, if you, you must have been a real hip 14-year-old if you were up on that when you're 14. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't happen. So, you know, uh, another movie like Make Them Die Slowly. I would always see that box cover as a kid and I'd be like, holy shit. And then one day my friends and I, we actually rented it and we were like fucking what astounded by what went on in that movie oh yeah <laughs> you know? definitely man 
uh, which is, you know, Cannibal Pharaoh, you know, one of the many films with two to two to five names. Um, but it was interesting to see that this movie uh, was has always been referred to as the Black Room and never had another name. But the uh, the movie with the same name from 2017 looks kind of interesting. I may check it out. <laughs> it's yeah, not entirely I... the same, but it looks kind of uh, kind of cool. It looks kind of weird. Um, now, what would you give the Black Room on our Necromaniac score of one to five? I'm going to say four, man. Honestly. Okay. Because it's, I think it's, I, I, I want to watch it again. Like I probably will watch it again, and uh, and also I thought it was extremely well done, and, I, and the acting was cool. I thought the acting was great, actually, in the movie. Yeah, by all the main characters, absolutely. I mean, it was very convincing, and you know, you you, you kind of you, you felt for the the wife Robin, absolutely, and you you were just kind of a, you know, a passenger in in sleazy Larry's uh, escapades as you're in the film. <laughs> And you're engrossed by the brother and sister, Jason and Bridget. It's just like it's kind of it hits a lot of great notes. I actually give it a four point five. Really? I just okay. really love it. I just this is just you know one of these Mike movies. As a I, I kid uh, with you know another friend of mine, it's it's a Mike movie. You know, it's just like it hits it hits all the notes that I like. Um, it's not perfect, you know. Uh, it's not a five star film, but I, I give it a, a four point five. Uh, I think our listeners should definitely, definitely uh, watch this film. Um, you know, I know there are a lot of people who like the physical stuff and just were like completely turned off by the fact that if it's YouTube only. But if you are one of those people, I'm urging you to break that rule and, and watch this movie on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the thing I like about it, the, the, what, what makes me want to watch a movie again is there's just certain moments in there that are just cool. You know, and, and that's what I feel about this movie. There's things, there's certain lines where, you know, Larry's like, do you want to see my black room? You know, and I'm like, that's so fucking cool to be able to say that to some <laughs> chick. You'd be like, do you want to see my black room? I'm like, such a cool thing. And then also, um, you know, the, the sister, Bridget, you know, it's like, I could, she just looks cool. Like, she looks like she's, uh, she looks like Patricia mm. Patricia Morrison from like Sisters of Mercy or something, you know. She yes, just... she has this this early '80s, late '70s glamour face, like yeah. glamour going on, and I like that a lot. So yeah, she definitely, she, I, I totally get it. You know what I'm saying? She she looks like you know, she could have been in like the eyes of Laura Mars. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those, <laughs> one of those kind of chicks. You know. Yeah. You know, and it's just there's a lot of good stuff in the film and moments that I really enjoyed. So yeah, that's why I give it a four. Definitely solid four. Very cool. And I'm just going to throw it out there one more time for the people who, who, who may want to literally buy this very inexpensive DVD uh, pack where the movie is, is featured. It is called blood soaked cinema, a taste of evil. Uh, it is, there's a bunch of them on eBay. So uh, it's 12 movies in one. Um, <laughs> Again, I don't think it's 12 DVDs in one. I think it's one of those ones where it's just like a few DVDs inside of it or whatever, but it's 12 movies. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it's packaged when I when I get the package. Apparently it has like a, you know, a slip cover or whatever. Uh, it's got this very goofy kind of cover of a guy with a, a brain in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> 12 times the terror. And like I said, it's packaged among movies that have absolutely nothing in common with it, but there it is nonetheless. And uh, I'm hoping it looks better than the, the YouTube, obviously. Yeah. 
So uh, anything else you've been, you've been watching, man? Anything of note you've been checking out? Um, I have been uh, trying to dive into my Friday the 13th box set. Uh, over the, the, the Halloween week, I watched the, the Elvira's, uh, what do you call it, Haunt, Mistress of the Dark, which I've never seen before. Mm. And I, I kind of am ashamed to say that. It's kind of a fun Halloween movie to watch from like, the late 80s. I love Elvira, but I never actually saw this movie. Um, and yeah, I've just kind of been catching up on TV. I've been watching Mandalorian, which is oh, fucking yeah. mm-hmm. oh my god, unbelievable. Um, and yeah, uh, trying to read a bit more, uh, to be honest, uh, which I find is very relaxing at night to just read before bed instead of watching TV before bed. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always done a lot of reading and i'm uh reading finishing up the exorcist um oh know, awesome that's i have never read that believe it or not it's great it's great it's i have a hard code so good and um yeah just there's a bunch of adam neville short stories i'm right i'm uh reading and um you know doing that's that's my reading and then film wise i just saw possessor last night the uh how is it i really dug it man it's um it's like a very much like this Philip K. Dick style dystopian future sci-fi horror type of thing. Really good film. Mm-hmm. It has uh, Christopher Abbott's in it, and Jennifer Jason Lee is featured in that film as well. And you know, I'm a big Jennifer Jason Lee fan. Yeah, she's great. Um, I saw a movie that came out. I'm not sure, maybe 2005, called In the Cut. Jennifer Jason Lee is in that too. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I want to see that. I heard you you mentioned that on the other episode. I really want to see that just based upon what you were saying about it. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know, like like a sleazy thriller, you know, really good. Mm-hmm. And um you know, it's uh, anything with Jennifer Jason Lee in and I'll I'll at least check it out. I've always been a big fan of her work and uh I like Mark Ruffalo, Don Amici's in it, another guy that I'm, you know, I follow his work too. Um I remember when that came out, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was like, you know, it was something that made a big splash. What was that? Is that Meg Ryan that's in it too? Yes, Meg Ryan. Yeah, she she's uh, she's naked in the movie, which I don't think yeah, she did that before. Was a that big deal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I and, and it's funny you said something like her career never kind of came back, and it's it's basically basically true. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Poor woman, you know, goodness gracious. Yeah. But uh, it's funny, I, I was following a, a Black Room uh, VHS on eBay, and when I when I looked at it last, it was, it was up to $17, and then when it ended, because I was following it, because you get that email if you're following something, it hit like 37 bucks. So it's, wow. uh, uh, yeah, it's th- for, for VHS, that's actually good money, you know? So apparently it's, it's a wanted film on VHS. Oh, yeah. It's totally fucking unavailable anywhere else. You know, you know who else we we touched on this too is that Roger Watkins. Like this kind of has like a vibe of one of his movies too. Yes, I feel like this is almost something he he could have and would have directed because it has a dark vibe. Like it's it mixes sex and it mixes horror, but it also mixes just kind of like the dark side of like relationships. And a lot of his movies did that like his his adult films even did that they he didn't he didn't just make you know 
wall-to-wall sex movies when he made his adult films. His adult films, they have plots, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, that was when adult movies had them, right? By the time he stopped making them is when it really just kind of, that whole scene really changed. But his movies were actually movies. So this movie reminds me of something he would write, you know, or something he would come up with, like the, the idea behind this about the couple and escaping to this room. And by the way, it involves fucking murder and vampires, you know, like it's just really kind of interesting. I totally could get the Roger Watkins connection. Yeah, man, that's like one of the saddest stories, man, in, in, in filmmaking, in my opinion, because he was such a talented guy. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, hey, there's no, uh, you know, shame in making adult films, but I, I feel like that he had so much to offer as far as his creativity, his directing style. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure that he wasn't satisfied just working in that world, but, you know, no, he wasn't. And he, living. Was, he was on the verge of coming back. He was going to make a new horror movie and then he died. Yeah, he was in the 50s. He wasn't even that old. So, and it always trips me that his life became like the plot of last house of dead end street is like the, the disgruntled porn, a young disgruntled porn director who wants to make a crazier film. Like, and then he himself went on to become a disgruntled porn director. Like the, the life imitating art, art imitating life factor. I always thought was really weird, you know? And if you want to talk about imagery, man, like uh, mm. Last House on Dead End Street, man. It's like the imagery throughout that movie is really intense. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just so creepy. And like everything about that movie is creepy. The, the vibe, the music and the performances and the the, the insanity of it is, you know, it, it, it's something to see at least once. I mean, I think a lot of people uh, that, that are fans of it, they, they kind of get it and, and they're, they're into that that kind of cerebral like experience but it's definitely not a movie for like everybody you know i mean i could see people watching it going you know this is the movie that such and such has been talking about you know <laughs> yeah it's true yeah like, i don't know this isn't what i wanted it to be you know but uh i think it's just it just holds a, a place in, in in like cult cinema and uh you know i feel like one day there should be a documentary about roger watkins you know or or even like a fiction like a film about him like a like a feature film an independent feature film that would be fucking amazing yeah totally you have that that two dvd set right that one that's like rare yeah. it's like out of print yeah yeah it goes for good good coin i do have it from a barrel entertainment i have that and then uh, we have the uh, what do you call it the the adult film where it's the, the bonus feature, one of his uh, adult films, and the name is is freaking escaping me right now, which is bothering me. But uh, yeah, Roger Watkins uh, did several adult films, and one of them was put out by Vinegar Syndrome, and they they included uh, Last House on Dead End Street as the uh, bonus feature. I, I actually feature. bought. I found a copy of the two DVD DVD set because I wanted to get the extras and um, oh, it was only like 65 bucks. I mean, I know oh, that wow. sounds like a lot of money. I mean, I'm like, yeah, it's only $65 for this fucking DVD, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it used to be a lot more than that. And I've seen, yeah, you know, it, what I mean? like 200, it literally was almost $200. It was one of the most expensive DVDs you could get at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. you know, things have come down a little bit, you know what I mean? As far as price <laughs> goes. Oh Yeah. And I, I think, you know, 
it's just I feel like because of streaming and the fact that yes, you kind of can find this movie now. Uh, so, and then I think somebody said uh, I can't remember what service, but this is, it's now streaming. Last House on Dead End Street somewhere. Really? Oh yes, yep, that's right. Uh, it's on Tubi. 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 Yes, yep. it is on Tubi. So, uh, listeners, if you haven't seen it, you need to see Last House on Dead End Street on Tubi. It's fucking bonkers. Yeah, someone <laughs> on our on our Instagram feed. Uh, yes mention that yeah oh man i would oh man I, I would like to give him a shout but i can't remember his name I, I feel embarrassed by that a little bit oh and uh the movie i'm talking about where it's the hidden bonus feature is corruption uh on the blu-ray of corruption uh hidden within the menu is a, is a nice uh blu-ray of uh, last house and dead end street so see it <laughs> But uh, that's uh, that's about it for me, man. Um, right, once again, thank you all so much to the listeners, uh, especially all the, the very active Facebook and, and Instagram people and everybody who's enjoying the podcast on a weekly basis. We're going to be here for you every week. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep churning them out. Keep rocking and rolling. Talk to you guys next week. Take care. Take care. <laughs>